Hi, and welcome to the Sunday Message podcast from the Catholic Parish of All Saints Newport here in South Wales in the UK. It's wonderful to have you with us as we share this week's message. So as I said at the start of Mass, this is the uh, the first of a four-week series that we've entitled Food for the Journey. I think it's pretty obvious why we've called it that title based on today's Gospel. So here we go anyway. One of the many things that we've missed, of course, uh, throughout this COVID-19 period has the, been the ability to get away, whether it be a beach in Spain or something more noble and pious, uh, a pilgrimage, maybe the Welsh National Pilgrimage to Lourdes, which had a virtual pilgrimage for which we hosted the closing mass uh, this past week, uh, or maybe a pilgrimage somewhere else. I'm assuming, has everybody in here been on pilgrimage somewhere at least once in their lifetime to a holy site? Anybody not? Okay. Don't know about you at home either. But um, those of you who've been on pilgrimage know what it's like. It's that anticipation of getting to the holy site in the first place, isn't it? And from my many travelings with the Welsh National Pilgrimage uh, to Lord in the past, I also know what a nightmare it can be for the travel, for the journey. You know, the flight is delayed, everybody complains, they just want to get home, whatever it may be. Uh, But there's always something about the journey which is never quite smooth sailing. There was a pilgrimage which um, I used to do every year as part of my home parish family, um, uh, which was the pilgrimage, the annual pilgrimage from my stake to Penrhys. But we wouldn't fly. We wouldn't take a car, uh, we wouldn't get on a boat anywhere, we would walk. Now, my stay to Penrhys is 15 miles, if you don't know, okay? And it's quite literally four miles through the valley, up over a hill, and I know there's people from my stake watching, so they know what I'm talking about, up over a hill, down into the next valley, You sort, that valley sort of goes off in a while, so you take the one route, Then you come to a mountain range, otherwise known as the Bulch mountain range. You climb the Bulch mountain range, get to the top, go down the other side into the Ron there, and then you make your way to that last half a mile. Harry, remember that photograph I told you about? Yeah, excellent, he's got his thumb up. Show it to them at home, please, because that last half a mile is known as Penrice Hill which is like that. It's absolutely like that. After walking five hours, your last half a mile seems like you're climbing Mount Everest. But you spur on. You spur on to get to that holy place for that encounter with our Blessed Mother or with our Lord or whatever the encounter is on the pilgrimage that you are making. Our pilgrimages in this life are a reminder to us that life is one big pilgrimage with a destination 
which is holy. Pray God, the kingdom of heaven. And just like the Israelites in the first reading today, things don't always go our way. Things don't always go our way. Their journey is our journey. Their journey into the promised land, we are journeying to the promised land. So if our journeys are the same, then we need to look to sacred scripture as to what it is to be a pilgrim. The pilgrim is one who passes through a constantly changing situation. Not meant to lay his head anywhere or her head anywhere. They're not meant to be content. They're meant to keep moving, to keep moving towards the destination. Not conform to the ways of the location that they're in or the time that they're in, whatever it may be. The pilgrim is called to change. Remember when I said at Mass, I deliberately did this at the start of Mass, when I said, we're going to do something new this week. And the look of horror, no, the look, the look of, oh, what's he going to do now? Because we don't like change. But change is a necessary part of life. It's a necessary part of journey in order to reach the destination. See, the trouble with the pilgrims in the wilderness and those approaching Jesus in the gospel today is that they're putting their own discontents and their own demands before the purpose of the journey in the first place, that encounter with Almighty God in the promised land or that encounter with the true and living bread. Jesus says it, I tell you most solemnly, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. What does he mean by that? Well, the early church fathers, St. Augustine, uh, St. Irenaeus, St. John Chrysostom, they all agree on the same thing. Remember what happened last week at the feeding of the 5,000? He's just fed them. He's literally just fed them. And he's going one way with the hope that they're going to carry on and following in a different way, in a spiritual way. But they're following him because of what he's just done. Hang on a second. If this guy is who, who he says has got this power, if this guy who... Uh, has turned around and basically said, look, I will never hunger again. Well, it's wonderful. It's okay. I never have to go to spa, Tesco's or Asda's again. I'll just keep following this fella. He'll give me what I want. They'd lost their purpose. They'd forgotten who they are and what the journey is like as the people of God. So the question for us this week is quite simple. Do we put our own discontents and demands uh, forward on our journey through faith? Do we let them get in the way? Give us a sign, they demanded. And boy, what a sign he would eventually give them that first holy week. When he took the bread, he took the wine, he blessed them, 
and he said those wonderful words, this is my body, this is my blood. Apparently, two-thirds of Catholics don't believe in the real presence out in America. Don't know what the survey's like here, because we've never done it. But two-thirds. This is my body. This is my blood. Two-thirds of Catholics don't believe that behind those silver doors is Jesus' truly present body, blood, soul, and divinity. They're missing the encounter. And it's a bit like the journey to Penrith. Because we would always stop for lunch right on top of the mountain range on the Bolch. And then, of course, somebody would need a comfort break or whatever was going on. But the trouble is, the further you go on in the journey, if you stop, the harder it is to pick back up and carry on. And pick back up and carry on is precisely what we are called to do. It's a similar situation in the Gospels with the woman uh, at the well. Exactly the same situation, the Samaritan woman. If you knew who it was that was saying to you, I could gi uh, give me a drink, it would be you that would be asking me for a drink, for the drink of the living water. So it doesn't matter whether, whether, you're, uh, whether you're Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Hindu, along that lines of journey of faith, whatever you are exploring and whatever journey you are making, we've all got the same problem. We let our discontents and our short-sightedness get in the way. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him has God the Father set his seal, he said today. What does he mean by that? When he's thinking of a seal, he's literally thinking of a seal that everybody would know about, a wax seal, just like they would seal the tomb to make sure nobody had broken in. Nobody would take the body away. A wax seal has the impression of the stamp. Jesus has always coexisted, co-eternal with the Father. It didn't come about as in a point in time. But in becoming incarnate, becoming man, the seal, the impression of the divine, of God the Father himself, is put upon humanity. And that's the case each and every time we come to receive the incarnate word in Holy Communion as well. But more on that next week. Let's not never underestimate the real presence. Let's always call to mind that Jesus is our food for the journey. It's mentioned uh, in the very prayer after communion at a requiem mass, food for the journey. And so a little task. We're just going to ask you this week as a little spiritual exercise 
Do a bit of research on the real presence, on transubstantiation, whether it be the Catechism of the Catholic Church, whether it be researching more into the life of Blessed Carlo Acutis and the website of Eucharistic Miracles that he's put together. Or maybe it will be St. John Paul II's uh, in, uh, encyclical letter, Ecclesia de Eucharistia. Re-engage with that and hold on to that food which ultimately gives eternal life. <laughs>